Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we've got another special guest. Tony's going to introduce him. Omar. Jesus. Gonzalez. <laughs> you had to throw we were, middle name. We, yeah, we were just talking about that before uh, we jumped on the podcast. Uh, Omar owns, uh, famously owns a couple restaurants in Kendallville, which is a, uh, where Dakota and I went to high school. Dakota grew up there. I was pretty dang close. I might as well have grew up in Kendallville. And uh, I think Omar owns another restaurant, too. I'm going to ask him about that one, or used to. He has uh, seven to eight rental properties. He's been selling some off now that housing prices are up. Uh, we knew of Omar, and we were friends with him on Facebook, but I think we became closest with him after we went to the Level Up Project which was an entrepreneurial venture, kind of like meetup held by uh, Joel Copas out of Kendallville. And it was held at Omar's restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that was where we got one of our first biggest opportunities. It's where we found our private money lender or got connected with someone who eventually got us our private money lender. So thanks for being that vessel and uh, providing a place for people to come meet and hang out and talk about business and entrepreneurship oh you're welcome guys it was a uh, it was a good time when we were doing those meetups and as you guys know that networking is uh is a huge thing in this business that yeah. uh, that you guys are in so, yep. so yeah absolutely dude i i, I sucks pretty bad that we missed the time that uh like you were talking and then going over all your numbers and stuff because i've never heard anybody talk about uh uh restaurants or anything like that so i was like dang that would have been really interesting yeah we had that was a that was a really good meetup we had that day and uh I think everybody enjoyed it. It's a, a different perspective, you know, of what what you're used to uh, uh, listening to. You know, you you're you're used to running the numbers on on uh, uh, rental properties, on purchasing, on flipping, but uh, yep. the food industry, you know, a little different. So yep. yeah, that, that was a good uh, good meetup. So did you ever own or were you associated with Albion Family Restaurant? I was actually. So. Albion Family Restaurant was an endeavor that my dad wanted to take on. He said, "Hey." I want to open up a breakfast place and I want to do, you know, just an Epicurean menu. Greek, Mexican, Italian, just whatever we can throw at it, we will. And uh, it sounded like a great idea, but my dad's the type where he'll have an idea and it's my job to execute it. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know which one of you guys takes on that role. You know, you come up with an idea and, well, I was stuck with uh, trying to get it done. And uh, we did. We opened up uh, Albion Family Restaurant. 2004 I believe and we did breakfast and we'd do ribs and you know we had a Mexican night and and uh, the little place did pretty good it, it did pretty good uh, I think we were there maybe six years altogether before uh, uh, the owner of the building sold the building and uh, we just decided not to not to keep it running after that I think uh, that was around the time the recession was hitting and mm -hmm. we said, ah, let's pull out now while we can so, okay yeah and then uh, I was trying to look into your background a little bit, mm -hmm. so uh, you can excuse me if I'm not like being politically correct and That's that okay. sort of thing. But you're you're Hispanic, and a lot yeah. of Hispanics end up having like recent in their recent past somebody immigrated to right. the states. Oh, yeah. And so what was it? It looks like maybe you grew up in downtown Fort Wayne though, or you were living Originally, in Fort Wayne a little bit. We came to uh, God. We came to Fort Wayne in '93. So before that, we lived in Chicago. We were, oh, okay. uh, we were there uh, all my childhood, about 10 years. Uh, we lived in Chicago before we moved to Fort Wayne. So we go from this big city of Chicago to Fort Wayne in 93 really wasn't wasn't anything huge. 
you know, and uh, I remember when I was in the middle school, I, I was maybe one of maybe five Hispanic kids there. Wow. So, yeah, it was a big uh, culture shock for me. You know, the area in Chicago where we lived, uh, in a little village, was essentially a little Mexico. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you could go to the bank or the grocery store and somebody there is bilingual. Mm-hmm. You know, um, was parents. it West West Chicago? Uh, it's it's kind of central, uh, close to downtown. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was just a little Mexico. You know, you got you have your different boroughs. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of where where we grew up, and to this day we still go down and go there and uh, check out family or, or the restaurants that we loved, and just you can't get food like that around here, no matter how hard anybody tries. <laughs> Except for your place, right? My place is good. We do a good job. But it is a little, you know, Americanized uh, in a way, you know, something yep. uh, that uh, uh, that people will definitely discern is, is it authentic? Is it not? You know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily 100% authentic, but we do it well, you mm-hmm. know. Um, chimichangas, fajitas, that kind of stuff. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. So uh, something Dakota and I always talk about that I think is helpful for people is that everybody's just a kid from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So what was your story like, like growing up? You know, was it... Did you, because I, I had a lot of benefits, like as a kid, I grew up like almost like upper middle class. My parents were middle class, but I got a lot of opportunities because my dad was willing to work overtime. And so I raced go-karts, I wrestled, I was in musical theater. I didn't have a whole lot to worry about. Like a lot of things were taken care of for me and that sort of thing. What was it like for you growing up? Um, well, it, was, it wasn't as nice as that. Um, we, we had a, a great childhood. Um, obviously, my parents, uh, the language barrier was there for them, so they didn't, uh, you know, they were factory workers, blue-collar workers, um, sometimes making minimum wage. Um, at the time, we didn't know that we were poor. You know, um, we had everything we needed, and, and we were happy that way. Um, it wasn't until we moved to, you know, Indiana that we started seeing the differences in financial, you know, this family is better off or, or, or that family's better off. In the, in the town or in the area in Chicago where we were at, everybody was the same. Everybody was, you know, blue collar. Everybody worked in a factory or in a restaurant. And, you know, there wasn't really that big uh, uh, line where you would say, oh, okay, this is where, 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 where this neighborhood is. You know, it's the rich neighborhood or that, you know, it's, it's just everybody was on the same level, you could say, you know. So, so it, was a, it was a little bit different uh, uh, when I was growing up. And, again, we didn't know any better. So you, you got through school. Mm-hmm. Did you decide to go to college? Uh, funny thing about college. So I graduated in 1999, all right. I know, forever ago. It's, it's crazy. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated. Um, I, I, I was really at a point where, do I want to go to college? Do I not? Do I want to work? Um, I really didn't have anybody to push me to, 
uh, or advise me in any other way. I had no idea what I needed to do or where I would register. I, I don't know any of that. Um, I had a friend of mine who, who uh, his name's Brent. Uh, he went. He signed up and he went and. And I think uh, he's the one that talked me into, hey, you should, you should just come, come, come with me, you know, sign up, and we'll go to college together. I said, all right, why not? So a week before school started, <laughs> I, I went to IPFW, and I, and I signed up for classes, and, and I was in college. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I did uh, two or three years before I ended up uh, taking a break and then just not going back. Uh, wow. I think at the time, my dad was just starting uh, his own restaurant to where – I started working with him and then just kind of went that route. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you what got you into restaurants. So what did that look like and how did you decide that, like, hey, this is something I can provide for my family with, like this is something that could work? No, it wasn't It wasn't necessarily that. Um, truth be told, when I when I was started to get into the work uh, industry and I think I turned 16, and I said, I will never work in food. I don't care what I do. I am not going to work in food. And look at me now. Um, so it was always my dad's dream to own a restaurant. He, his whole life, he just wanted to open up a restaurant or open up his own business. And he had an opportunity to open up uh, his first place here in town. Um, a family member that's in the business said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll put up the money, we'll open it up, and uh, you run it, and, uh, and then we'll get you started that way. So I think uh, beginning of 2000, that's when uh, Mi Pueblo Mexican Restaurant opened up uh, on Jefferson. Uh, you guys might be familiar with it. It's still here? Still here. Wow. And it's actually stolen by family. My, uh, my cousin's uh, family still owns that. Wow, I didn't so, know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's where my dad got started. And that's, I think that's kind of where he got the bug. And I think at the time I was working, this was 2000, I was 19 years old. I was working at Meyer and going to school. So I, I did school full time and I worked part time at Meyer. And uh, my dad needed help. He said, hey, you know, I don't, know what I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never ran a restaurant. You know, he, he worked for Essex uh, in Kendallville for mm. 10, 15 years. He said, what am I doing? So uh, I ended up uh, quitting Meyer and I went to work with him. And I started serving and, you know, scheduling and, and customer service. Uh, I think I learned a lot from Meyer. Uh, for me, it was a part-time job, but I started learning things that I didn't know I was learning. You know, customer service, handling money, disgruntled customers, um, uh, managing employees. Uh, so uh, big props to Meyer. They, uh, they, they helped me out in that aspect that, again, I was learning without really knowing what I was doing. So that's kind of how uh, I went to start working with Dad. Uh, I think a year later, uh, he said, you know what? I don't think I'm getting anywhere uh, just working here. Um, we have an idea of what we're doing. Why don't we open up our own place? So that's when uh, he said, I want to go back to Kendallville. He's worked there for years. I love this town. He said, I want to open up my own place there. So uh, we found, I think at the time was uh, Steph's Cozy Kitchen right there, uh, the old Miller truck stop. And uh, we talked to the owner. And he was a little hesitant to, to, to let us lease the place. Uh, it was for, for rent, but he wouldn't return my phone calls at first. He, he mm -hmm. thought a Mexican restaurant in Kendallville would never work. I think those were, those were his words. <laughs> I said, well, give us a shot, you know, and uh, we were able to, to, to rent the place from them. Um, very little money. I mean, we already had the booths, the tables, and everything was pink and baby blue, and it was horrible looking. <laughs> it really was. 
And uh, he ended up uh, giving us a, ch a shot, and we, we rented it, and the place just blew up. I mean, it just really blew up from there. When, when was that? This was 2001, okay. summer of 2001. So wow. uh, a little over 20 years ago. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny because I bet all the people from Kendallville were probably like, oh, man, now we don't have to drive all the way to Fort Wayne to get right. Mexican. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, they were yeah. like, usually I got to go to Hacienda or I got to right. drive all the way to the mall or, you know, whatever. But well, they got a new Mexican restaurant that e came into even, town. Uh, in 2001, there really wasn't many options. I mean, people really didn't know well, what uh, – because our queso is white. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. people were used to the, the yellow cheddar cheese. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think here in town you had – a. Like a Don Pablo's, um, Hacienda was around, El Azteca. But you really didn't have a whole lot of options of food similar to what we do now, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, now there's 80-plus Mexican restaurants here in town alone. Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, there was, there was a handful of them. And, uh, you know, it, it was a little weird at first. Why is the queso white? I don't know. The cheese is white. It's just... It's, right. It's just, I mean, I don't know what to tell people. I, you know, it, for me, it's just it's always been white. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of kind of new for people. I like I like the white more anyway. White white's yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy it better too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we have some friends in the uh, restaurant business, and then uh, I've always heard like you know we're in a lot of business seminars and stuff like that. They mm -hmm. always say that restaurants are one of the hardest industries. Um, so we missed that. We yeah. talked about margins and like stuff like that. Could you yeah. talk about like your margin in the food, and then yeah, why absolutely. why is it so difficult in the restaurant business? Um, I agree with that. The, I think the restaurant business is one of the hardest things you can get to. Um, I've had a lot of friends that say they want to get into it, and I tell you, no, don't do it. What advice do you have on running a restaurant? Uh, run away from it. It is very hard. It's, it's, uh, you're dealing with, with staffing, and you're dealing with uh, a lot of stuff that you might not be prepared of. You know, People think they can open up a restaurant, and then you're there, you leave. No, it, it's a 24-hour you know, job. It really is. Um, whether people aren't showing up for work, whether your inventory didn't show up, uh, food cost, uh, you're dealing with health departments and permits, and, and you're dealing with, uh, you know, the, the ATC for uh, um, liquor licenses. It is, it is definitely a, a huge undertaking. Um, I think we've gotten to the point where we can just do it automatically just because we've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. But it also helps to have uh, a good team of uh, accountants and attorneys and, and people that can guide you. I mean, you guys know all about that, mm -hmm. that uh, when you don't know what you're doing, uh, you just you, you ask questions. You know, there uh, For the first five, ten years, we didn't know what we were doing. We, I think we just got lucky a lot. You know, uh, we happened to make good food, and people were just coming to get it. Yep. You know, so uh, we didn't know anything about food costs or what does it cost to, to, to heat up a place is the bills would come in and we would pay them and we were lucky if there was money left over, <laughs> you know, and, and I think it took us a while just to, to get to, to the point where we understood more what our business was, was about, you know. I think a number that uh, they gave, our, our friends gave us was uh, the, the percent that you're profitable. So mm -hmm. after all of your labor costs, which are huge, right. huge portion, food costs, that sort of thing, they were saying that like, you know, national average is like eight to 12%, you know, like maybe even lower than that. So yeah. what does it look like after you pay your rent, after you pay all your expenses? Is it something where you end up being, do you feel yourself being more conservative and keeping a lot more money in the bank and keeping cash on hand in case of a downturn because it's so cash intensive right. and then your profit margins so slim? 
Uh, it, it definitely is. Um, in Mexican food, uh, you have a little more leeway. Just uh, there's certain uh, genres of food that that really are more profitable. You know, breakfast. Mm-hmm. Breakfast is more profitable than say a, a steakhouse that that, that serves uh, uh, mainly proteins. You know, shrimp, lobster, that kind of stuff. It all costs more. You know, in my place, we uh, we get uh, great uh, steaks from uh, Didier Meats. Shout out Didier Meats. They do a great job here in town, and uh, we have excellent steaks. Uh, the problem with them is that they're very expensive. So while on my menu, a $25 steak sounds like a great sale, I would rather sell that $12 burrito that is more profitable for me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of, again, depending on what food you're serving, what food you're selling, your price point. Right now, with uh, COVID and and pricing, it's been all over the map. You know, a uh, case of eggs five years ago would have been six seven bucks. Now it's twenty thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, chicken is doubled. You know, beef everything is is doubled to where people will see the increase on the menu uh, anywhere. Not even at just yeah. at my place, but people will complain about it. Well, you know, well, this used to be twelve dollars. Now it's fourteen. That's that's ludicrous. Yes, but, you know, inflation has an effect on everything, you know, and not just your food. You're also looking at uh, payroll, you know. Um, before I could pay a cashier 10 bucks an hour just to run a register. Now the cashier says, well, I can yeah. go to McDonald's and make $14 an hour running a register there. What do I do? I have to raise what I pay my cashiers. Otherwise, they're not going to stick around. Yep. Same with busers. I mean, servers. Uh, everybody uh, pays going up everywhere. Yep. Just because it's harder to find good help. And yep. if you do find that good help, you got to compensate that. Yeah, that's what we always tell people, too. They're like, oh, your rents rents keep increasing and stuff. And, like, right. yeah, rent's increasing, but so are our taxes. So is our insurance. So, so is the Yes, yeah, so is the interest rates on all the loans that we have to get. So it's like it's going up for everybody and everything. And I think everybody kind of, you know, should have known. A lot of people known. don't understand that. You know, yeah. they, they think uh, – Everything's just going up that everything should just stay the same. But, it, you know, it can't. Never. You know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, historically, a little increase in inflation, uh, 2 3%. You, you don't necessarily notice it, but then when it when it's up 10% plus, that's when, you know, ow. Yeah, it's fast. That's where it hurts. That's where people really notice it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're at uh, like 2008 or higher numbers. This might be the highest oh, wow. inflation in history. Yeah. 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 Well, Recent, I think— Recent history. I always think about like uh, it's still something that I always process through is the two, three percent. And I feel like everybody should like at least think about it and then always continue to do that. So every time a a lease ends, we try to raise it by a little bit because that's life. It needs to raise by a little bit every time. But people, for some reason, as long as it's gradual, it's okay. But then as soon as you shock them, just like we just got shocked. Yeah, we're raising it under inflation, too. Yeah, and it's just like, man, if we don't raise it, we're really going to be screwed. Right, yep. right. Well, it's like the frog in the water. I mean, you've heard that story yeah, yeah. before, haven't you? Put a, Boiling. Yeah, put a frog in, uh, in water, turn the heat up, mm. it'll sit there and die to death. Mm-hmm. But if uh, you boil the water first and you throw the frog in there, it's going to jump out because it feels the, the, the instant sting of the boiling water. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. So what did, what did it look like early on in your restaurant career? Um, were there any early struggles and uh, what was uh, a big lesson, like your favorite failure? Okay. Um, well, early on, uh, I'll talk after we opened up uh, in Kendallville after 2001. Uh, my main role was, you know, help translate a few things, help uh, a little bit in the office. 
I was mainly a server. You know, uh, my dad and my uncle actually went in together uh, in that restaurant, so I mainly served. And for the first uh, few years as a server, I mean, I was 22 years old, making a thousand dollars plus a week, and you know, tips. I was, I was just having fun. You know, yep. um, maybe I, I wish I would have spent my money a little bit differently now, but. You know, 22 years old, didn't really have a background in, in, uh, in anything, you know, financially or, you know, I didn't know anything. You know, my, my parents, uh, immigrants, barely had a, you know, sixth grade uh, education. Uh, so I really did, I, I didn't have anybody to, to guide me the right way. So, uh, you know, everything that I've learned to this point, it's, it's because I wanted to learn or I was interested in learning or I sought out people that uh, knew what they were doing. And, and you know, ask questions. How are you guys doing this? What do you do here? You know, what's a good way to to to, to get rich? You know, and and then be financially free. So, so a lot of that I wasn't aware of. Otherwise, I would have done things a lot differently. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, God, first two or three years serving, that that's pretty much all I did. Um, learning the customers. I feel like when you're a server in your own business, you get to actually touch more customers that way. You get to interact more with them. You know what's going on. You know, you know the beef is salty today, or there isn't enough uh, uh, seasoning in the salsa. You know, whereas now, you know, we're busier. We're going through more customers, but I get to touch the customers less because I'm not at the register, or I'm not serving the customer. So I'll have to wait to hear about it in an email or a complaint phone call or whatnot. Uh, oh, you know, my food was cold. Oh, you know, if I was at the register, I would have found out sooner. I wouldn't have been able to do something right for the customer or, you know, mediated the situation. So, mm-hmm. so you, you do get the, that one-on-one with your customers, you know? Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. So you have some rental properties now. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, real estate for, for me and my brother has kind of been like a hobby, you know, something to do. You know, we've been in the restaurant for 20-plus years, so it does get a little mundane sometimes things uh doing things over and over you can only fill a salsa bowl so many times before you go nuts right yeah so how did we get started okay so about 2015 i bought my uh my first you could say property um it was just a shell of a house it was ten thousand dollars and i looked at amanda my wife and i said this is going to be our next home she cried (laughs) she cried guys literally Uh, literally she said what do you mean? Oh my gosh. The house was empty. It smelled horrible of sewage. I mean, the, the house was built in like in 1910. I said, yeah, I mean, we can fix this up. I, you know, I, I had a little vision for it. And without knowing, because I didn't know much about real estate, I ended up doing the Burr method on this house. Yep. And it just kind of happened. Wow. So we bought the house in 2015. I think, like I said, it was about 10 or 11 grand. And, you know, we started painting, and we redid the floors, and eventually the roof, the windows, all the electrical, the HVAC. Pretty much we redid the whole house. So um, that's kind of how I got started, uh, by accident. Um, and she, she loved the house. And then to this day, we actually ended up keeping it as a rental. Wow. And then uh, I think we ended up selling it in, uh, in December. Uh, finally got rid of that house for... For a, for a good profit. Uh, That's awesome. I think we were in it for like 90 altogether. And I think it sold for like 160. Wow. So, so it, was, it was pretty good. It was pretty, did pretty good on that one. 
That's did you, awesome. Did you have any friends or mentors or anybody that helped you in real estate? Yes, actually. Um, you know, you mentioned Joel Culpas earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, super good dude. He knows his stuff. Super bright. He's doing good things. Um, I met him, I think, uh, we went to one of his meetings he had in Ligonier. I think we were meeting at a church at the time. Wow. And uh, me and uh, my friend Keith Ballard and uh, Bob Abel, I think, yep. I think you know those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we ended up going to the meeting, and uh, it, it, I mean, it was really interesting to me. I, I had never done any anything like that, you know, uh, meeting up with uh, local business owners or people that were that were like minded, you know, and, and and it was really interesting to me. And I think uh, they were looking for a, a new place to have the meetings, and I offered up my place. I said, you know what, I've got a bar or you know uh, a reception hall. We can just do it there. And uh, that's uh, that's kind of when I, I got more serious into it. Uh, I ended up meeting a lot of really good people at these meetings, and and it was it was nice just to be with people that understood business, whether it's food or real estate. It doesn't matter. You're you're talking numbers. You're talking customers. You're talking profitability, losses. You know, you're 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 talking with people that understand what you, what 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 you mean when you. When you had a shit day, yep. or when you had a great, uh, a, a great, uh, a great experience with a deal, so people understood that. And I think those meetings turn from different businesses, you know, whatever business you come from, uh, to be, really be more geared towards real estate. I think there was a lot of interest from everybody there, mm-hmm. so we started, uh, I think, uh, going more towards that route. And uh, and again, I, I met a lot of really cool people that I wouldn't have normally have met, or somebody that I saw in passing that I knew. And really wasn't connected uh, to what they were doing or, or what their intentions were in the business world. Yep. So, so yeah, that, I think that's where I started. Uh, I think I met uh, Drew Wired through there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, he came out to one of the meetings. Uh, you guys were there. Uh, I think uh, you guys were there at the at the bar when we did yep. the, the whole panel. You got to be on a panel, I thought. Th- that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my favorite ones. You guys really knocked it out of the park that day. Made us feel super important. We didn't feel really validated in the community probably right. until then, do you think? Did you feel validated, like, in our community until somebody was like, hey, you guys want to be on a panel and represent wholesaling? Right, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, that didn't, like, do a whole lot for me, honestly. I still, like, I still felt like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I like to talk to people individually more. And so for me, like, you know, being up there didn't really, like, it wasn't like, oh, now we made it. It was like, all right, cool, let's go tell people our story. I felt like it was just confirmation that somebody was like, we're going to bring you in as an expert. Oh, and so Tony like, walked oh, in with okay. the glasses, the superstar yeah. mentality. <laughs> yeah, and, you know Dakota's walking in all humble. And like, I no, know. I wasn't. It wasn't like for me. It wasn't like about being humble or anything like that. It was right. more like, uh, like I'm just like I like I don't know. Sometimes I forget uh, about the the things that we're doing. Just like you know, you talked about like you you go into these groups and like, dude. For one, that's like the most important thing that I think that people can do is like see how tangible it is because you hear other business owners who are doing things that you want to do. You get to hear about it. You get to talk about the numbers. It makes it so much more like attainable. Yeah, obtainable and real because like, you know, you hear about all these in the books, you read them and you're like, yeah, that's like somebody out there doing it. But when you see other people in your community doing it, it's crazy. So then like whenever we go to these uh, events, like we're going to masterminds out in Vegas and then we're going to like 10x. So then like for, for me, it feels like what we're doing is like sometimes it feels like it's not that big of a deal right and i forget that like hey what we're doing is making an impact and like we are right. we are doing like big things and like we're we're trying to help other people and like do that like 
And I don't know, for me, it's just sometimes right. it's it's easy to forget, especially when you're in the moment and all you think about is, dude, we got to do the next thing. We got to do the next thing. It's it's hard right. to remember that like, hey, like we are, we're, we're making a difference, so. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, I think, I think we all put our limits on what we think we can reach mm-hmm. and, and that's the only limit that we, that we shoot for. But when you see other people shooting higher than that, you know, the sky is the limit. Yeah. So when you see other people shooting for it, you see, well, you know, if they could do it, I could do it. Yep. It can't be that hard. Yep. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I completely get that. Yeah. And when you, and when you go to those events and you see the other people and then like you see them doing it and they're telling you how exactly how they did it. Right. And it's, you're like, Oh, it's not that different than what I'm doing now. Right. I just need to tweak a couple of things. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, I love those events. So how important do you think that like networking and doing that, like obviously it made an impact for you to get into real estate. Like, right. is there anything else that you've, uh, any other events that you've went to or anything that made a big impact? Um, these past couple of years, no. Um, I, I was trying to make those uh, monthly uh, real estate meetings, but then COVID again hit and they started doing them online. And I watched a few of them, you know, when I can. Uh, yep. But... Uh, we just we've been busy at work. We've been shorthanded. Uh, it's kind of been hard to do really anything. Um, yep. Every 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 week has been a challenge. Whether, well, I can't get. Uh, there was a point uh, where we couldn't get uh, our beef and our chicken. Oh my gosh. You know, and and uh, chicken. We're going through a thousand pounds a week of yeah. chicken, a thousand pounds of beef. The the so, menu is just huevos y huevos. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna have egg burritos. Um, so there was there was a there was a few times where we had to get creative, and uh, I had to call around to every butcher shop in the area. You know, and try to outsource our mm. our cheese or, or our beef, and uh, so it, it it's definitely changed how how we did things. Uh, our system's going from you know, serving 5,000 people a week and doing 10% in carry out to going 100% carry out. I mean, you have to adjust your system. You have to adjust how you're putting the food out, how you're labeling, how you're packaging, you know, how you're getting it out the door. You know, it's a big change from just serving the food, you know, wiping the table and, and, and flipping the, 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 the table to now we're doing all carry out. So now it's, well, now I have to get, uh, oh, God, now I got to, every plate's going to be an aluminum plate. Now I got to buy, instead of one case a week, now I got to buy 20 cases a week of lids and pans and plasticware. I mean, it changes your whole dynamic. Yep. You know, so that, that was a little bit of a learning curve. But, you know, we stayed busy through the whole pandemic to where, I mean, we're, all right, now I got to assemble a crew. Uh, we're essentially like a, uh, an assembly line, mm-hmm. cooking, wrapping, labeling, you know, getting out the door. So that, that, was, that was a big uh, a, a big learning process. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari Simply has been the best. Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. Yeah, something something that I've noticed with like uh, with business business owners in general that I don't think that we even think about sometimes is mindset. So like you obviously have a mindset of, hey, here's a problem. We got to figure out how to fix it, and that is a mindset that I don't think people really think about a lot as a business owner. You're thinking. I got to do what I got to do, but like, it's still a mindset to still stay positive about it. Cause like for uh, a lot of people, I feel like they get upset with their problems and they get mad and they, they blame outside circumstances. Right. So uh, what do you do to like help your mindset or what have you found that like works? Do you read a lot of books or what do you do? 
Now, I think a lot of it has, has it goes back to, to my dad. My dad's always been a, a grinder. He's been a worker. You know, when he was working at Essex uh, uh, when I was younger, I mean, he'd work 70 hours every week. So to me, working 70 hours wasn't anything weird. It was mm -hmm. almost the norm. You know, yep. you're, you're not working six days a week. You're not working 12 hours a day. What are you doing with all your all your free time? You know, what free time? I, I never understood when people worked 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Yeah. To me, that's that's half a day. Right. You know, if I leave work and I've already put in eight, nine hours and I leave at three, to me, that's half a day. That'd be amazing. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be I crazy. three, four o'clock and it's, uh, yeah. you know. Um, so when people are working, uh, you know, and I'm not going to shame anybody for working eight hours a day. Sure. You know, if you can, if you can get away with it, great. Yeah. But to me, working 70 hours, uh, that was just the norm. And I think I learned a lot about that uh, from my dad. Um, he really... He instilled that in us, even though it took us a while to, mm -hmm. to get to that, you know. Uh, I mean, again, when I was serving in my 20s, making all that money, rolling in at 10, 10.30 in the morning was rough, you know. You're going out late at night, you're hanging out, um, spending all that money that you're making. Yep. Uh, getting uh, to work before 10 o'clock was rough at first, you know. So getting that mindset was a little, a little rough at first, but... But again, you just uh, you go with the flow, and, and the flow uh, in my household was working seventy hours a week, uh, trying to trying to get things done, and there was no ifs, ands, or buts. It wasn't a, a question. It was you got to get this done, and this is you got to do what it takes, and it's that simple. Yep, that's yeah. awesome. So you talk a lot about uh, your dad and then your brother. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, Tony and I have asked a lot of other people this but they always say like don't get in business with your friends or family right. so how has that dynamic been for you have you had any struggles with it and what advice would you give to other people about doing business with family um we've had business before uh, with family and it, it, we've had both experiences where it's been great and where it's been horrible you know um i think uh the distant family i think it also depends on how distant they are um, but at the end of the day, I think uh, in, in our relationship with my, uh, with my father and my brother, I think we all understand our roles. We all understand where our strong suits are and where our weaknesses are. And I think it's helped that we pick up the slack for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, um, wh wherever I'm weak at, my brother will pick up the slack. Whenever, wherever he's weak at, I pick it up. And, you know, we, do, we do, don't complain about it. I think uh, we understand that you know, we're going to need help in one area or the other. And as long as the business is running, as long as we're all making money, as long as, you know, things are going great, there's really no reason to complain about it. You know, yeah. we'll have our days where, oh, God, you know, he forgot to place the beer order or I forgot to process payroll today or, you know, but there really isn't a, uh, any, uh, oh, you know, you didn't do it. No, it's just, all right, well, let's get it done and, and move forward arguing about it's not going to help anything yep did you guys have that set up uh beforehand and like kind of set the expectations up front hey this is what i'm going to do this is what you're going to do this right. is what i'm good at this is what you're good at no, or did you guys learn that no we we've kind of fallen into it um with me being older i'm six years older than my brother you know i'm uh, i'll be 41 this year and he's 36 um i'm, I'm exactly six years older than him to the day we have wow. the same birthday. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and uh, so people think we're twins just because we, you know, mm -hmm. both big guys, glasses, you know, whatnot. But uh, so so we have the same birthday. So being older, I kind of assumed that role before, you know, he was old enough to really get into it. So in my 20s, you know, he's still a teenager going to high school, hanging out. 
Um, so as he slowly started getting into it, we just kind of started finding our own our own way, and we've kind of found uh, for for myself is all right. Well, you handle this, I'll handle that. So I don't want to say delegated, but it just kind of fell sure. into place that way. You know, now uh, I mean we really do uh, assume the responsibility, and and we're, we're, we're I, I do believe that we're we're definitely there for for to have each other's backs. Yep. So if I miss something, he's on it. If if uh, he misses something, I try to cover it. There's no, um, well, this is my day off. I don't have to go mm-hmm. to work. Well, you know what? If they need help, I'm there. Yeah. You know? uh, this weekend example, uh, Cinco de Mayo week, Mother's Day weekend. It's the biggest week in mm-hmm. the year. Yep. You know, two big holidays in the same week. I, I mean, it's it's uh, very very busy. So yep. I think we had uh, somebody called in off for the weekend, and you know, I think Saturday was my scheduled day off. But in my line of work, it doesn't matter if you're on the schedule or not. You got to show up. Yep. So I come in on my Saturday. He was scheduled off on Sunday. I think half the day he came in. So you know we knocked it out. You know it's not a well today's my day off. You can't have that mindset. It's uh, well it needed to be done, and we literally drop everything we're doing and and go to work. Yep. You I'll know? say it sounds to me like a lot of what you're saying is more about like, you know, not keeping score and like, yes. you know, making sure, hey, like you're not doing this or whatever. It's more just like now we're on the same team or we're going after the same goal here. Mm-hmm. Who Whoever accomplishes it or gets it done doesn't really matter Absolutely. at the end of the day. We decided up front that we're going to do this. And I think uh, I think that's important in uh, every relationship, really, oh, like, yeah. you know, in your marriage, mm-hmm. like because I, I see that a lot. Like, you know, we get. We get upset about who gets credit for what, yeah. who uh, who is the person who didn't do certain things or, you know, expectations and stuff. So I think it's, it's more about reminding yourself that we're on the same team, we're going after the same thing, and we're going to get it done one way or the other. Absolutely. That's a great way of explaining it. Uh, it definitely is a team win. You know, uh, it doesn't matter who scored that, that, that final point or who scored the goal. We're all winning. We're all, you know, yep. making a great uh, – a great living. Uh, we have a great business going. You know, don't keep score. I mean, yep. you're, you're gonna you're gonna rack your head at the end of the day if you're. Well, you know what? I, you owe me this or you owe me that. So nah, yeah. But uh, that's yeah. a team definitely is, is, is what you gotta get. Have that mindset. Yep. You know? And I think you guys do a great job of that. Yeah. yeah. I I uh, I definitely try to, and I I my biggest thing is usually it feels like other people are what uh, try to divide that. It seems like a lot of times it's like other people are like. Well, how much is this person doing? What are they doing? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. And like, I don't keep track or anything like that. And like, everybody's got different time frames. But I feel like people try to divide more than even like what your partnerships do or anything like that. And it's the same thing in your marriage or anything like, you know, you tell your friend something and then they're like, oh, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. And you need to do that. And you're like, you're not even thinking about all that. And like, and then they put, they project it onto your life. And then now you're thinking, oh man, maybe I should do this. And like, right. next thing you know, then you go and say that thing. And you're like, oh man, what am I doing? I did, I wasn't even feeling that. Right. I'm just putting that all on us. So it is interesting who we get advice from and uh, yeah, how people, I do feel like uh, try to divide more than what I think uh, all of us really try to do. So I think it comes down with, I don't want to say jealousy of some people, but there's a lot of that in the world. Sure. You know? And, and, and it, it, I think it's a lot of how you handle it because there are people that are going to be there for you and really want your best interests at heart, and there's going to be people that, that don't really have that. Yep. And it, it's almost like that movie Inception. They'll, they'll plant these little seeds, yep. and you really have to step back and say, wait a minute, that, that's not my feelings, that's not my thoughts. Yep. Uh, i got to get away from that. Exactly. You know? and, 
and like I said, you just you just really have to have trust in uh, in that person or, or people on your team. Yep. And uh, just jump in with both feet every time. Yep. And remember the bigger purpose. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, you're a father. You have four kiddos. I do. Um, <laughs> my wife has three, and I have one, so we're a blended family. Mm. Uh, yeah, so four kids at home really uh, really keeps us busy. Do they all speak Spanish? No, my, uh, my daughter, uh, she's about the only one. Uh, nice. She goes to my parents' house a lot, so that's kind of where she's, she's picked it up. And, and the other ones, they, they, they're not around the Spanish as much. You know, okay. They'll pick up a couple words here and there, but... Mainly, we'll speak English at home, and and with my daughter, if you know, I want to tell her something, and I don't want people to understand no. her, tell her in Spanish. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's kind of like our own little code, you know. Uh, my wife will say, "What did you tell her? What'd you say? Don't worry about it." That's you know, it's, awesome. It's between me and Isabel. That's so, awesome. So yeah. So, what's your advice to fathers? Man, I really got to say that being a parent in this day and age is probably one of the hardest jobs you know um i know growing up i mean i wasn't the best kid so i'm glad a lot of that wasn't on record <laughs> you know i did a lot of dumb stuff but uh nowadays uh it, it's very difficult to be a parent you know father mother either or it uh it's definitely hard with the technology that's out there every you know 10 year old has access to google you know if i had google when i was 10 i know what i would be googling every day <laughs> You know, so you kind of, you just kind of have to to understand that you know kids are going to be curious. They're gonna if they have the 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 tools to satisfy that uh, that need for information, no matter what that may be, they're gonna find it. You know, um, Google, uh, what does this mean? You know, Google, yep. uh, what does this look like? You know, growing up, if we asked the questions, they could either say, "Oh, don't worry about it," or right. they'd explain it to you in a uh, oh, uh, a, a softer way than uh, maybe they should have. But now, I mean, get, kids will get information so raw that you really can't hide anything from them. So I think it's just be honest with your kids and then try to have that open line of communication. I know it can be hard sometimes, uh, you know, do as I say and not as, uh, as I do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, it really is just uh, patience and uh, honesty. You know, that, that's, that's the biggest thing, have, have an honest conversation with your kids. Yeah. Do you think do you think that uh, like brutal truth is bad for kids or do you think that it might actually be beneficial? You know, I think it depends on the age. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got a four year old asking you something, obviously you're going to try to baby it. Right. But I, I, I think, uh, you know, one experience that I had, especially with our youngest, uh, uh, we caught them doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing at school. You know, um, so I think it kind of opened my eyes to where, wow, these kids, they're not little kids anymore. You know, they're they're seeing things and, and hearing things that other kids are talking about, whether it's vaping or, 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 or sex or, you know, they're hearing this stuff, you know. Yeah. So I think it kind of opened my eyes to, well, my kids aren't babies anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the youngest one, again, she'll be 12 today. Uh, we have a, one's going to be 15 and the oldest uh, 19. Wow. So it's all right. Now I can say certain things that before I couldn't or listen to certain music that before I couldn't because these kids are listening, you know, I'll hear them uh, listening to all kinds of stuff that I'm thinking, wait, what, what do they yeah. think? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of cool that, you know, we can listen to certain music now and, and, and not have to avoid certain words. You know, we don't curse a lot, but if you sure. know, the occasional you know, shit or, or whatnot comes out, yeah. it's not as uh, as bad as uh, when they were five, you know, they were repeating right. a word. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I say I always think uh, like people will try to shelter their kids from certain things or certain right. truths in life, and I'm always like, man, like for I don't know, maybe this is like something that. Right. I shouldn't do whenever I do become a father, but oh. I'm like, man, like I think about like the story of uh, uh, um, King David and Goliath and like, mm -hmm. you know, they always don't tell him that he cut his head off and like that. That's just never told because it's like it's supposed to be a children's story. Right, I'm like, right. man, like, no, like there's some things that that happened and like there's a lot of brutal stuff in the Old Testament that I still think like is important to go through and as long as like you can explain to him what happened i still don't think it's bad to tell people or kids the right. brutal truth because i think i i truly believe that kids understand more than what we lead them yeah, off to believe i agree with that um no I, I i think they need the whole truth yeah you know um i think if if you don't they're gonna grow up i don't want to say sensitive but then they hear the real version and yeah they think that's wrong. Yes. Oh, no, Yeah, no. that's one of the reasons why I told Presley about Santa Claus. Yeah. Like, almost immediately. And then her mom was pretty upset with me because uh. Presley has a younger sister who's not mine. Okay. So then, <laughs> so then my daughter goes home, and she's like, Santa's not real. And right. then, you know, uh, my baby mom is trying to argue with her. And, right. and then I had to convince Presley that it's fun to pretend. Right. So I was like, you can lie to your right. sister, but I just want you to know what the truth right. is so that you can believe right. your father when he tells you something. Coming from a blended family, you know, you are going to have the other side of the family uh, treating certain subjects differently. For example, you know, you brought up Santa Claus. You know, I think my daughter's mom told Isabel um, that Santa Claus wasn't real a few years ago. You know, so Isabel comes home crying a little bit. And, and we had to talk about it, you know, and, and it came down to, you know what, if you believe, that's all that matters, you know. I also didn't want to, you know, come out and flat out tell her, no, he doesn't exist. So to me, it was let her believe as long as she can. When she doesn't believe, then I'll just have to buy less presents that year because there is no Santa Claus. <laughs> or actually get credit for all the stuff that I buy, you know. And yeah. so, you know, over the years, obviously, the older ones, uh, you know, they start helping hide the presents, wrap the presents. So it's nice now that we don't have to hide them, pull them out the night before. Now we just throw them under the tree, which is uh, which is nice. I think uh, the last conversation we had was about the tooth fairy. She said, Dad, I lost a tooth. I said, well, there's no there's no tooth fairy, so just throw it away. <laughs> I said, wait, I'm not going to get $5 for it? Nope, not anymore, kid. So, yeah. That's a that's a pretty high end tooth fairy. You I know, think. I wasn't aware what teeth were going for. <laughs> this is the truth. Um, actually, this weekend Isabel came home and said that uh, her younger brother at her mom's lost a tooth, and they were going to put a dollar under the the pillow. She said a dollar. Well, yeah. Wait a minute. I've been giving you five dollars for your teeth. She says, "Yeah, Dad." She says, and actually, she told me one time. I actually, you forgot to take the tooth, and I kept it under my pillow and you left another five oh my gosh I said, so awesome. i bought the same tooth twice and i said great, great see she's smart she's gonna be an entrepreneur she, yeah she's doubling uh doubling the the revenue there yep so, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. i love it yeah. so uh you you've been through it, were you married to the first woman no 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 i was not married okay. my first marriage is uh to uh, to my wife amanda okay and i think um, that she's related to dakota Somehow, so, we we're talking about so it. So we're family, like, kind of in a way. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, what what is your advice to husbands? 
Oh man, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I mean, as far as my uh, my wife is concerned, um, you know, my dad told me a funny story, and de- definitely don't follow my dad's advice to to when it comes to marriage. He said, "You know what? A successful man is a man who can make more than his uh, woman uh, spends, and a successful woman is a woman who can find such a man." Mm. It's worked out so far. Um, no, um, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect husband or a perfect wife. You know, I think. Uh, Two imperfect people can be happy together. Um, I've been with my wife for 12 years, and you know we've had ups and downs, just like every every marriage does. I think at the end of the day, is uh, you have to understand and you have to have that mindset that you know you're committed, and whether this person is making you angry today or not, whether they're being frustrated or not, um, that you're going to be there for each other 100%. Just like uh, like we talked about in business, you know you have to trust your teammate, and 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 marriage. You're a team, mm-hmm. and whenever you're you're lacking, that other person picks up the slack, and vice versa. Because there's some days that that I'm definitely slacking, and there's days that uh, you know my wife slacks, and you just try to pick up that slack and and not take uh, not take uh, points or or keep track of who did what. You know, I know it can be difficult at sometimes. Well, I've been doing this, and you haven't done anything. Yeah, you could argue that, but at the end of the day, you know, if you have a nice home, if you have, you know, everybody's healthy, kids are, are doing great, there's nothing to complain about, you know. Yeah. Who didn't take the trash out or who left the door unlocked? You know, th- those are those are first world problems that growing up I don't think uh, I ever heard my parents complaining about. So I, what, do you, what do you think is easier than, because obviously, like, I don't think that people realize that business and marriages are very similar. Which one do you think is easier, like your business relationship or your marriage? Ooh. They each have their 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 difficult times. Um, the, the thing that I do want to point out, though, that is when you are a business owner, a lot of times your significant other or your spouse has to deal with a lot of that uh, backlash. You know, mm-hmm. whether you're you're working every day and don't have time to be at home, or whether you're having a stressful day at work and come home and you're on edge and they don't understand why. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I try to I try to leave work at the door. Mm-hmm. I come home. I have a mile from work to where I get home, so I don't even have that time to, yeah, to kind of decompress. decompress yeah. So I get home, and all right, work out there. So I try. I don't really talk a lot about it work at home, mm-hmm. you know. And, and a lot of times that works, you know. But sometimes, you know, Amanda will say, "Well, you know, I don't know what's going on at work. I don't know when you're having a bad day because you don't talk about it." Mm-hmm. And I don't. And you know. Maybe I should, but I, I just like to keep that separate because I don't want to come home and complain about the the server that didn't show up or or the customer that that got upset because they're missing their salsa or whatnot, you know. So so I do try to, to, to keep it separated. Otherwise, you know, sit there and I'll complain to you all day about it if you want to hear it. Yeah. You know, but I I, try, I do try to keep that separate. And I think uh, our first few years together, it was harder for her. You know, hey, you know, we've got plans this weekend. Uh, go get away and well sorry I, I have to work you know I, I've missed uh, vacations I've missed days off uh, with the kids you know tickets to Disney on ice I've had to miss uh, that or or dinners or birthday parties or holidays just because of work and at first it, w- it was harder for her but uh, I think she she got to a point where she understood and uh, uh, I don't want to say she's necessarily okay with it but she she gets it you know mm-hmm. so so we're on the I think we're on the same page uh, uh, as far as that goes good so we touched on your real estate a little bit, mm-hmm. but I just wondered if there's one that stands out to you 
uh, just as like your favorite real estate deal, mm. like one that's uh, got some novelty see. to it. That's like, oh, that's cool. Um, I think the the one that was special was the first one that we did because mm. it, it it really was our home for four years before we decided to 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 move on to a bigger, better house. And and I think that one will always be special for us. Every time we drive by, you know, you, you look over and. Uh, I need to mow that lawn, mm-hmm. <laughs> or oh, that trim, you know, that that face is falling off, uh, and then that's funny because a few weeks ago I, I was telling Amanda, "Have you driven by the by the Wayne Street house?" Oh yeah. I said, "Well, did you notice that there's a, a fascia missing?" I almost wanted to send somebody to go out there and repair yeah. it. So, oh my gosh. So, so yeah, uh, I said that would kind of be weird, but uh, but yeah, that, that that first one was always special. Um, as far as real estate, I, I've done a few flips, I've done a few burrs. Uh, uh, right now, I think uh, uh, after we close on our building that we run our business, uh, the restaurant from, I think uh, we'll probably hit it harder. But uh, we're, we're still kind of waiting on to see where, where that's going to fall. Yeah, we'll be, uh, be ready to sell you some stuff, too. We're getting a bunch up in Kinderville and stuff. Nice. And so, yeah. Well, either that or, you know, um, I, I've done some, uh, some investing with some, uh, some of the guys uh, in the group. and. I, I might end up going that route more to where I just say, you know what? Self-storage or something? Well, uh, self-storage, yeah, but uh, more of a here's some money, go go work it, and, and just sit back and collect the check. That's what I like to hear. You know? Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm going to go more that route, um, you know, try to uh, see what our options are as far as uh, the, the restaurant business goes. Yeah, you know? boy, we will be here for you. Awesome. We'll I know you be will. here. We'll I be ready. We'll be given the highest yeah. return. We'll have the most equity. I like it. I like we're going to make sure you're well protected. I'm definitely in on that. I, I remember uh, when we went to that first lunch, it was like five years ago. Yep. And we discussed Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. We were. Uh, we went to Granite City. Had yes. Lunch, uh, I forgot about with, that. Uh, with you, you guys and I think Keith. Bauer yeah, Keith. Was, yeah, Keith was there. And I mean, you guys had great stuff. And, and I think the only thing that was holding us back, especially me, was uh, just trying to save that nest egg to buy our building. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I forgot about that. I think that that, uh, that helped impact Keith in a major way, yeah. too, because Tony really talked to him about, uh, hey, what are you making, like, dollar per hour? Like, obviously, you got your salary and stuff, but have you ever evaluated, like, how much time you're worth and how much more you can do that? And I think that made a shift in his mind oh, and really helped him out. Absolutely. So that was, that was amazing. Yeah. He's he was trying all, to figure out, stuff. it was a Water Street house in Kendallville that yeah. he was trying to figure out what to do with it exactly. And so then we just kind of broke it down for him because it was interesting. It was like a meeting to, it was more of a meeting to figure out what the heck you guys wanted to do, you and Keith we, wanted uh, to do. There? I think it was you guys, Keith. I think it was, was just me. I thought was it was Joe Sells there? Nope. No. Okay. I think it was just us four. Okay, I, I remember meeting up there, and he was kind of showing us what what we were gonna do there. Yep. Okay. Oh, you mean at the house? Yes, right at the yes. house. Yes, Joe Sells was, was at the house. It was freezing. Oh yes. yes. There was no heat. He yes. Had drywall everywhere. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think Joe Sells was at the house. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, Keith is doing a great job. He's really knocking it out of the park. A shout out Northeast Indiana Roofing. Need a roof? Give him a call. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It uh, again, uh, you guys have influenced a lot of people. I think so. Yeah. So kudos to you guys. Thanks. And if you guys want to lend some money, let us know. We're here. We give good rates. We're not allowed to disclose them because other people get mad at us. <laughs> but so uh, as haters are gonna hate, right? Yeah. Well, the SEC, the SEC hates. is gonna come down on you. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're haters too. Yeah. <laughs> they're the haters. Haters with a little more power. That's right.
So uh, what is there anything that we can help you with? What's your biggest struggle right now? Hmm. I think the biggest struggle that I have is uh, we were discussing that deal earlier with uh, we're in the middle of purchasing our building and we ran into a, a few hiccups uh, along the way. Uh, some uh, by uh, made by the seller, uh, others by uh, uh, environmental uh, uh, things that have kind of came up. Uh, mm. Right now, we, we just completed the phase two of the environmental uh, testing, and they came back to where there's more testing that has to be done. Mm. Um, so right now, we're still waiting to see where the seller's going to go with it. Uh, they, they're requiring more testing. Uh, they're going to want to bore inside the building to see if the contaminants are flowing towards the building or away from the building. At that point, uh, they're going to decide to uh, if the, there needs to be a limitation on what type of businesses are going to be ran through there if we even decide to follow through on the purchase of the building. You know, and we might come back to where we can't run a business there. You know, to where we might have to look at other options. So, mm -hmm. so right now, um, I think depending on what comes back with those testings, we need to decide. All right, are we staying? Are we going to maybe look for land and build brand new, which would be a great option. Um, so it just depends on, on, on where that, all that falls. So that, and if you, uh, have any other properties or stalling in Kendall area, you know, commercial, uh, yeah, I think, uh, we actually want to get into commercial, you know, if it's, uh, single family homes, uh, multifamily, uh, whatever you we get, have. we got a single family home for sale right now. If you want one, maybe we're at town street, it's real close to a church. Uh, is it on the MLS? No. Okay. No, we're, we're probably going to list it this week, but if okay. you are interested, we can talk well, about send it. send it to me, and then we can look okay. at it. Okay, cool. Yeah, there'll be a lockbox on today. Actually, I'll get photos uh, at the end of this. So, Thanks. And as, then, as uh, people who are, Dakota and I are primarily sellers, we just want you to know it's always the buyer's fault. So the reason why That's you're true. <laughs> That's true. I'll, I'll, give you that. I'll give you that. Always the what? <laughs> the buyer's fault. Buyers are always the worst. It's probably just Omar's <laughs> fault. Probably, know, with, probably. Uh, with all the struggles with uh, the building that he's trying to buy. Right, well, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they don't make it easy. Well, I do want to. I do want to actually explain to people. Anybody who doesn't know, so whenever you get into commercial properties, a lot of times whenever you get into lending, there's a lot more that goes into lending for commercial specifically. They want to do all these kind of uh, land testing. They want to do soil samples. They want to. They they do a lot more intensive. Uh, due diligence. Yeah, due diligence. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, they want to make sure, especially when you're in certain areas that like uh, whenever it used to be a gas station or whenever it used to be certain things with like oil or like tanks underneath, they have to go and test those and they have to basically make sure it's not still uh, uh, be a problem. Yeah, contaminated. Yeah. So we're having that same thing happen with our uh, building on High Street. It used to be a grocery store or... Uh, um, it may have had gas tanks. In yeah, it. We gas. Don't know. Yeah, so we're not sure. So now we're going to go through the same thing. I'm sure it's going to be very similar. But have you paid for the uh, phase two yet? No, no, we're in phase one. So we, like uh, the phase one's under a thousand, and okay. then uh, and then we'll see what happens right. on this next Hopefully one. Hopefully, it comes back okay because that phase two is, is is kind of pricey. I don't even know if we'll do phase yeah, two at we, that point. We'll we just be like, screw it. So we're not cheap. we're not pulling it. We bought it so cheap, and we barely put any money into it, and right. it's yep. mostly been used for storage. Like we're not running a business out of it. Right. So at this point, it's like, hey, we have a decent size parking lot we have a, a concrete uh, cinder block building and uh, we ran some electricity to it we got the gas fixed and so at this point it's just like well we own it cash 
I mean, I think what what do we have in it all together? Like thirty 50. grand now. No, we 50. bought it for thirty. Yeah, but we probably put twenty into it. Yeah. But we're trying to pull a line of credit against it right now, and that's what we're doing. But if it doesn't work, cool, doesn't matter. Right. But if it does, great. Then now we have a line of credit that we can go ahead and use that money towards some more things. So, so essentially, it's more of a good sized credit card for you guys. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Nice. Yep, we need as much credit cards as we can get. Private money lenders, everything. We have. We're like 1.2 under contract right now to buy, nice. and we do not have the money for it right now. Okay. But we always find it. That's the interesting yeah. thing. We put it under contract, and then we always find it within 30 days every single time that we've done this. So we've done this probably like 10 times now. Right. The anxiety doesn't go away, but... <laughs> uh, I we, know a little bit about that. I yeah. Mean, and, and again, you see a problem, you've got to try to solve it. That's yep. that mindset. Yep. And Sometimes that's what gets you leveled up every time. Yep. You know? Put yourself in a situation to succeed, and then a lot of times you're going to figure it out. It depends on what kind of person right. you are, but as long as you got the the, the mindset and the buildup beforehand, mm -hmm. you're going to figure it out. I think it's that fight or flight uh, yes. instinct. Some people have it, some people don't. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But I think that you can create it, too. You can Absolutely. learn it. You can learn it. Absolutely. I mean, if, you, if you're surrounded by by that type of person, it I mean, it's going to rub off. Yep. You know, it's... You know, your five closest friends, you know, if they're all janitors, you might end up being a janitor. If yep. they're all millionaires, you might end up being a millionaire. Yep. Know, so so I, I, I get that. Yep. So we're getting to some closing questions now. So the first one is, uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's a good one. How many times have you read that book? Twice. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, and this is a deeper one. Okay. So in 60 years... You're dying. Uh, you have a final message. So I'll be could, 100. Yeah, it could mm -hmm. be a, a sentence. It could be a paragraph. It could be a, a mantra. Okay. Um, it's a, either a saying or something that you put on a billboard to show to the world, be your legacy. Okay. Um, what's your message to the world? Well, I would be very lucky to make it to 100. <laughs> so for that, I mean, that's great right off the bat. Um, I'd like to think that, it, that I would be surrounded by, by my kids, and I'd really like to tell them that you can't take it with you. It's great to, to work hard. It's, it's great to build uh, a wealth, but at the end of the day, you, you can't take it with you. Um, over the years, I've lost a lot of time. I've lost uh, uh, special moments with my kids because I've always either been grinding or working. And at, at times I wish that I would have said, you know what, I just I rather spend the day with my kids. You know, now they're they're growing up, and and you know you can't get those moments back, mm -hmm. so you can't take it with you. So build those memories and those relationships. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, you can give me a call at uh, the restaurant and place a carryout order, or you can uh, do catering. Two six zero three four seven nineteen ninety nine in Kendallville, Indiana. Uh, we can accommodate uh, large parties uh, in a reception hall, two to 300 people. Uh, we can do catering. We've catered weddings as big as 500 people. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if, if, it, uh, if it comes to feeding people, we can definitely get the job done. Nice. Uh, recently, we started doing, uh, because we were turning away a lot of uh, oh, uh, rehearsal dinner parties, you know, people calling me on a Friday night. Hey, there's going to be 30 of us, and uh, we'd like to sit together and have dinner. Well, it's kind of tough to get 30 people in in my place on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of started doing uh, little packages for, for wedding parties where uh, we'll, we'll take them to a reception hall and they can do like a buffet-style meal and, mm -hmm. and they have our own bartender back there. And, 
and uh, it's like a three or four hour package. So we just started doing those, and uh, there we got a few of those booked uh, here for this fall, which uh, we're looking forward to. to That's awesome. Are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Absolutely. Hey, if you guys have uh, some extra money and you want to invest, uh, give uh, LTD a call. <laughs> uh, I know these guys will take care of you and uh, they'll make you some money. Thanks, bro. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Good Thanks time. again for coming on and thank you guys for watching. If you could, like, comment, share, let us know your favorite part, share this with somebody that you think will help. See you on the next one. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Peace.